I wonder what my ping would be if I was playing Counter-Strike on a server in Italy, because Nick, you seem surprisingly responsive for somebody who is many thousands of miles away from me. <laughs> I, I want to push I'm my impressed luck. at our connection. <laughs> you never know. No, all right. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Nick. It's good to have you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, well, super happy to be yeah, back, back here. How have you been? Doing good, doing good. I'm, I'm ready for the holidays, stocked up on a lot of good deals during Black Friday, so there's a lot of gaming ahead of me now, and I'm excited to delve into them. Okay. Yeah. Uh, man, you guys want to hear something lame? I, I realized I bought, I actually bought a bunch of stuff for Black Friday, but it was like appliances, like kitchen <laughs> appliances. And I was like really excited about it, and I was like, man, I am... I'm getting old. Like when I'm like stoked about my refrigerator purchase for Black Friday, uh, it's not video cards and Xboxes anymore. Definitely uh, not. Orin, how you been? What's going on? I know we just did a podcast together, so I'm just faking and pretending like we haven't been talking for the last hour and a half. But how you been, Orin? Tell me something. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just feeling, uh, feeling pretty good. I'm just, you know. Didn't really get enough sleep because I decided to go to a late showing of Avatar The Way of Water. But, you know, I'm good. How about you, Aaron? I'm all right. Uh, I've been getting more sleep than I probably deserve, <laughs> truth be told, uh, for having a two-month-old. And uh, I did not see... So wait, tell me something. Because you said you put this on a, a thing that we talked about just a minute ago. Avatar The Way of the Water is the new Avatar movie? That is the new Avatar movie. It's released. It's released, yeah. It, it, okay. And uh, it's a it's a very tentative recommendation because uh, when I saw the movie, I really loved it. I really liked it. I, like I don't know, unconditionally loved, but I really liked it. But the moment I left the movie theater with my brother, I just heard someone go like, "That was so long." So I don't think it's for oh. everybody. How long was it's it? It's three hours. It's an epic. Oh my fucking god! Okay, it's longer than um. The movie with all right, all right, all right in space. What's that all right, all right, all right. <laughs> like Interstellar. <laughs> Interstellar. Interstellar. Yeah, Interstellar is two movies movie? fused at the waist. Three movies. Yeah. Okay, three movies fused at the waist. It's a it's longer than uh, that. I think it's. I don't. I can't remember how long Interstellar is. Interstellar feels its length because <laughs> it has a lot of tangents that you're like, oh, mm -hmm. we're doing this now, but. Like the first half of the movie is like a cornfield. It's like I thought this was a space right. movie. Where's the question? And then on? like Matt Damon's in it, and he has his shenanigans. And is that the sequel to The Martian with Matt yeah. Damon? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, that was the Mass Effect uh, moment in that movie, um, dude. So wait, I cannot believe the Avatar movie is out because I have known so many people who have worked in some capacity on that movie. And oh, I feel like really? Just been telling me this forever. Like, they're not doing anything exciting, but, like, yes, because, like, half of this fucking town is working on that movie. It's not, it's, like, it's just what's what's going on. But, like, it's it's shocking to me that it ever came out. I feel like it's been in production since, you know, I learned how to brush my teeth and tie my shoelaces. Yeah. It does feel like it's been I, th a I think principal yeah. photography for it started in 2017. So it's it's been, yeah. like, okay. so there's probably, like, shots in the movie that are from 2017 that I'm like, oh. That's from 2017, probably. Is Sigourney Weaver yeah. in it? Yeah, it's it, it's okay. here. Here's my take on it. I think I think it is a great movie theater movie. Like if you want to just okay. go in 3D glasses, absorb like the 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 highest 
uh, CGI art you'll ever experience, just like super high-end stuff, that is what you're going to get. If you're looking for a deep story that is incredibly nuanced and has characters with multiple layers, you're not going to get that from this movie. It's very much a spectacle movie. But with that said, I really enjoyed it. Um, so it, mm. I have a question about about that experience, actually. Okay. This is off topic. So if you want to keep going about this movie, you can keep going. But I have a question related to movie theater experience and, and audio specifically. Well, please, please do, um, because now I'm intrigued. <laughs> okay. So I watched Dune okay. recently at home. Mm-hmm. And it was a good movie. I liked it. But um, I constantly was shifting the volume up and down because when the characters would talk, they'd say... Mr. Atreides, and <laughs> like the loudest explosions like you've ever heard in your entire life. Like my neighbors are gonna all hate me. Yeah. So and I'm just curious. Like, do you guys like high dynamic range audio, where the the, the quiets are quiet and the louds well, are super loud, or do you? I personally like them when they're like a little closer mixed, so it's like not quite so. Dr- like I get what they're doing, but I find it unpleasant. I actually found that this is what I don't like about movie theaters is is how loud they can be, like deafeningly, brutally loud, mm, startlingly so loud. Maybe I think it's like funny that. that you say that you don't like that because you're a David Lynch fan, and David Lynch is all about that. Like, they, like when people talk, it's really quiet, and then like the screams are like, oh, just really loud. So mm-hmm. it's true, yeah, right? But I don't know. But the mixing isn't that intense. Like, to I, I don't know. Having seen Mulholland like Drive that. in a theater recently, it really is like that. Because I think. David Lynch wants you to like when like te- like in Twin Peaks Fire Walk with me when teenagers are like whispering to each other you kind of want them to, like the audience to lean in and like listen yes. intently but then when it gets terrifying he really wants it to feel like a nightmare so that's true I I think part of what Kevin's talking about though is like when you see a film at home that was mixed for a big theater and not maybe engineered for a home surround system that doesn't have the same so like these home you know, sound bars, Kevin and I have the same sound system, but like sometimes they can juice up the bass too much and not mm-hmm. bring up the sure. mids and the treble to an appropriate level so you don't get the dialogue where it ought to be. So it's not, you're not getting the intended experience. You're getting a slightly compromised experience because it wasn't re engineered or the, so- the the hardware isn't right. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I got you. I, I get. Uh, I usually, believe it or not, I usually watch movies with headphones. Like, I'll watch it on my nice TV with headphones, but if I watch a movie with people, um, sometimes I notice it, but um, I don't know. What do you think, Nick? I, I, it's actually the same. I, whenever I'm watching something by myself, it is with headphones because of that problem, because especially living in a, in a building, you know, uh, the neighbors can be a bit uh, understandably annoyed <laughs> by, I don't know, watching like a John Wick action movie that's constant gunfire and you kind of want to feel it, but you don't want to ruin everyone afternoon, right? especially if they have, you know, children and stuff. So, you know, <laughs> but then, yes, I do notice it a lot. And it's a good point, actually, Kevin, yes, with blockbusters in general, that problem is massive. It, and it is a real problem, I believe. Um, I don't even know if they just don't have time to fix these things for uh, for um, you know home video release nowadays because it felt more balanced beforehand. Maybe it's just a trend that will fade with time. I don't know honestly. Uh, yeah. yeah, I remember that problem with Thor: Love and Thunder. Actually, I think I think Thor: Love and Thunder <laughs> had some wacky audio stuff. Anyway, what were you gonna say, Aaron? <laughs> Yeah, so there was a similar problem with video and like like the show House of the Dragon. Like a couple episodes were mastered using uh, studio mastering OLEDs 
at like like five nits, which is extremely dim. So on everybody's TV, it was like a black image, and people were complaining about it and tweeting like, "Why is this show literally just a black screen?" Game of Thrones has done this twice now. It's the same director, but like you get these people using really high end mastering equipment, sound equipment, and, and visual equipment, and not really considering the range of delivery. So like mm-hmm. that's that's where that problem can kind of come in. I think it's it's funny because like, and I think of a lot of video games now are offering audio audio options like you can have the full dynamic range you can have the middle dynamic range or you can have night mode like how come streaming services don't offer this right why isn't this an option yeah yeah because the game is mixing the audio in real time whereas the audio from a film is baked so they couldn't do that without like putting some kind of crappy processing that would really destroy the audio quality Mm. i think the headphones thing is a good point for when you're watching a movie alone but it does suck when you're watching an action movie and it's like I watched the Lord of the Rings recently. It was the same shit, and that's you know twenty years old. But it was like I had to turn the volume down every time there was a battle sequence, and then turn it back yeah. up every time. I did it every time with Dune. Like I had to have the like like I couldn't sit back and watch them. I had to constantly like adjust the volume because it was like too too quieter. And I, and I'm like, this has got to be how this is mixed. Like this has got to be somewhat intentional. Yeah. Like this is how they want it. And I'm just curious if anyone else suffered from this problem, or is this just a Kevin problem? Well, so, well, my question also because uh, is the visual aspect, Kevin, because I haven't seen Dune at home. I remember seeing Dune in the theaters and being kind of not the biggest fan of the look of the movie because everything is so desaturated and it looks like everything is like five stops lower than it should be visually. Like it's like you can't see anything. Yeah, yeah. Is that true at home too or no? Yeah. 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 There were some parts where it was so dark and like, I was like, wait, is it supposed to look like this? Like, I, I can't. I don't know what I'm looking at here. Mm-hmm. I had it a couple times. Sometimes I wonder if that was just a mistake. Like the cinematographer just went too far with. With. <laughs> it's the, like interior shots is when it happens the most yeah. i found when it was like the worst like the nighttime interior shots specifically yeah that yeah yeah i don't know it's funny too because i know that that sometimes happens because i i i saw like a behind the scenes of the first godfather movie and the cinematographer for that was like oh i think i underexposed way too much because a lot of these <laughs> shots you can't see anything but a lot of people ended up liking it because it looked more evocative because you just see like these spotlights on people's foreheads and stuff but yeah i don't know yeah but like now they're shooting a right. digital like they could correct that like they're like I actually saw a Vox, uh, the YouTube channel Vox explainer video about why movies are getting darker. But like, they could fix that now. Like, you shoot The Godfather, you're shooting on film. You, if that thing's underexposed, that's right. it. It's you can't bring that back yeah. up. But if you're shooting a digital with your, you know, Ari Alexa, you could bring that right back up. You could make that look however you want. And you're not gonna incur a noise penalty like you would with film. And the information is gonna be there. Like, this yeah. is a choice. I think it's because they wanted to hide the CGI of the sandworms. They're like, we don't think it looks that good, so we're going to just like hide it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a compromise. <laughs> yeah. I like Dune. Dune. Dune was good. It, it didn't really stick with me, but it, it was... I, I, but I That's liked how I it. feel. It wasn't... Compared to Blade Runner, I was, it, Blade Runner was like leaks better to me. Yeah. Blade Runner spoke mm-hmm. to me. This movie was just like... It was fun. Sure. Yeah. All right, all right. Uh, so I guess we don't have any news this week because we're going to talk about the Game Awards later, and 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 the uh, Armored Core interview. Yeah, are you guys ready for that? Yeah, yeah. But not yet. But not yet. Uh, let's get started with Immortality, which apparently is 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 just a, a game about the male gaze. What do you think, Warren? 
Is that what they say? Well, there's been, well, (laughs) there's some discourse there, but uh, I'm just goofing. Well, there's some, I'll give some context to that. There's been a lot of uh, critics who have been really vocal about Sam Barlow and his uh, misogyny. People are saying misogyny and uh, with regards to the male gaze, I think that's, I think that's up for debate. I personally don't think it bothers me, but it does bother me when other people shut people down about that game because of that when when i feel like it's worth discussing but anyway that's the context (laughs) (laughs) but anyway uh, nick i I heard that you played immortality i would love to uh, hear your thoughts on it yes i have yes i have you know i i wasn't really aware of this game prior to hearing you talking about it or in kind of spreading the good word of immortality <laughs> and sam barlow uh, on the internet and so i i was very excited to play it actually ended up playing her story beforehand kind of to warm myself up a bit and i really like that game a lot but immortality is something else i i've i don't have that much time to just you know play a game almost from beginning to end like multiple hours at a time anymore but i managed to find the time for immortality and it was worth it and just getting lost in this web of just pulling, going from clip to clip, kind of seeing these three different films, and you're seeing this actress, Marisa Marcel, what's going on with her? Okay, she's starting these movies that were never released. And you keep jumping back and forth. I often have a problem with, with detective games that always, you know, you can play as Sherlock Holmes, you can play as this whatever detective you want. But it's always very linear, it's always very, you're always very constricted in what you can do. There's always, you know, you have the objective, you have to find the five clues to unlock whatever you need. Can be fun, you know, I talked about L.A. Noir as well, I like L.A. Noir a lot, but Immortality and just Sam Barlow in general gets what makes being a detective fun, and it is figuring out the mystery by yourself. And there's no better feeling than just starting off this game, not knowing anything, and just going, I don't know what's going, I don't know what's happening here. But the more you play it, the more you start to uncover different things. And that's what I particularly loved about this without getting into spoilers. But I, I think I played it for like 90 minutes, two hours. I was just watching the clips, getting lost into this story of like, okay, this actress, this movies, behind the scenes drama, what is really going on here? And then I found myself rewounding a clip just to go a bit further back. And there's just this other image just superimposed for a second. It's like, what? <laughs> What's going on here? And it kind of turns into a horror game out of nowhere. <laughs> And then, like, the more I played and the more of these hidden clips I found, the more I started kind of caring less about the main story, and I was just interested in finding these hidden clips. So it's it's a trip. It is genuinely one of those games where everyone's experience will be different in terms of the order of the clips they find, what they take out of it. But I found it to be, like, I managed to kind of finish it today. I've only, like, a few clips left, but I've seen pretty much all of it, got most of the story now, after, like, eight hours of gameplay, but... It's it's genuinely amazing. It's it's a genuine achievement in 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 storytelling. It's you, you know what is a cinematic video game? Is it when they just put you on this cart and you're just watching a movie? Basically, no. This is a cinematic video game. It's a movie that can only exist as a game. It's it's ah, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I'm so happy I played it. Honestly, uh, jumped right up at the top of my uh, best of the years list. 
So thank you, Arin, for <laughs> recommending it. Uh, yeah, it was I, worth it. I'm so glad that you liked it because uh, yeah, Immortality is my game of the year. I mean, we have, that was that's obvious at this point. I love. Spoiler alert! Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> come on, come on, man. But anyway, come, come on. on. But uh, yeah, it's. I think uh, jumping off of what you're saying, uh, Nick, is that so, a couple other things I just love about this game is that I think it does the From Software style of storytelling so well in a cinematic video game because you, what I love about From Software games like Elden Ring, like Bloodborne, like Sekiro, is that you have to like piece the story together based on inference and based on what you're shown mm-hmm. and what you read. It's not just given out to you. With immortality, you have to like really kind of piece together what is really going on in that world. In that, like, because you you're you have all these dailies, you're you're going through all of the clips, and you're just kind of slowly piecing together what happened with this actress and what happened to these films. And I think it's really cool just putting that together. But also, just on top of that, it's such an amazing tribute to those kinds of movies made at that time. Like the late '60s, yes. the early '70s, the Andy Warhol uh, references, um, those kind of like smutty, like uh, Jalo, like '60s movies. Like I just, uh, I just loved all of that, and I think it does some really cool stuff with regards to the male gaze and to uh, like just seeing like these actresses over and over again and how they like their forms kind of morph over time and like what that says about the viewer. Mm-hmm. It's very voyeuristic. Uh, it reminded me of David Lynch a lot. It reminded me of Alfred Hitchcock a lot. Like, I don't know. I could go on and on about it. I just think it's a, an amazing achievement. Yeah. That's probably what I like the most of the game is that, you know, even even I, 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 I make short films in my free time, but I also primarily work as a, as a video editor as well. And so I find myself often going through the same footage over and over again. You have to rewind, you have to listen to the same thing multiple times. And there is, like you, like you, like you just said, there's also something inherently voyeuristic about it. Just cinema as a medium, just video as a, as a format. You're just standing there, just sitting down, just watching people living and whatever. But the fact that in this game you have to constantly, you know, rewind the footage and speed it back up again and stopping and analyzing the frame, like it forces you to just confront yourself with what you're doing, what you're just used to do. You kind of have to rewire your brain as well a little bit. And the fact that it gets to a point where it's the the game itself or one of the actresses of the game is literally confronting you about some of those things, it becomes so uncomfortable. Like, like you said, there's a lot of David Lynch references, but there are just moments where some characters are uncomfortably close to the camera <laughs> that I, I, I don't think I've ever had, like, I don't, I don't remember the last time I had nightmares from a video game, but one night I was playing Immortality a couple days ago, and it just got to one of those clips where I just started rewinding it and just this person got closer and closer. It was so uncomfortable, actually, to just set this is it, I'm done for today, I should go to sleep, <laughs> and I didn't sleep well, like, it's, it, it, there's, there's so much baked into the story here, into the narrative, I, th- I think it's unfortunate that sometimes it gets boiled down to, oh, it's misogynist, it's bad, because women are mistreated, even though it's commenting on the mistreatment of women in Hollywood, and just in art in general, and them trying to kind of, you know, 
find a place for themselves. There's something I found particularly fascinating in here because it's it ends up commenting on on sexism in Hollywood and how you know female empowerment for for one person can be just exploitation from someone else's point of view. Yeah, and so there's it, it, it's so deep in ways I was not expecting. Uh, I'm not surprised it's one of the most like analyzed games of the year so far. Uh, deservedly so, I'd say. I I want to say one oh thing. Oh yeah, go ahead, Kevin. Sorry. You respond first actually. Well, well, okay, yeah. I'll just I'll just say I I think it's really interesting that you're bringing all this up, Nick, because I don't know, sometimes I wonder if it's just like <laughs> I don't want to go after just games journalism in general, but I think games journalists just aren't used to stuff with like really racy topics because video games just don't do mm-hmm. it. So when they're confronted with something like uncomfortable, like female exploitation in the sixties, um, the male gaze, they just interpret it as misogyny. Like, Oh my God, the way this game's treating women. But I think, I think that's part of just games journalism. I think there's just kind of the struggle to see that nuance um, but that's just me as an outsider and anecdotally. But anyway, Kevin, what were you going to ask? Um, I was just going to say that um, I didn't play this game as much as you guys did, but I, I, the thing that I was really struck by mechanically was that it's like a narrative game, and it's a puzzle game, but it's like non-linear in both counts, which is I don't think I've ever seen a game be non-linear like this in those two mediums like like narrative games are like never non-linear like almost never mm-hmm. and then puzzle games usually aren't non sometimes they can be but like i was just like wow this is like a really original like mechanically and the way you play this game is really like an original piece i think i've never seen a game that does it like it did and i just felt like that was striking i was like wow this is pretty cool how they're you got to like piece the puzzles together and yeah yeah so, awesome. I that was really cool yeah I would also say, uh, to add on to what Nick said, as as someone who's edited many projects and has been given huge dumps of film to scrub through, like the fact that they made a game out of scrubbing through footage that you <laughs> haven't seen before to try to put it together was, was is pretty amazing. Uh, I, I do want to say, man engages performance. Like I, I saw somebody else say this, like if, if this had been a film, she would have been nominated for an Oscar. I think this, that's probably true. Really fantastic performance. Um, I, I think she was snubbed at the Game Awards, but we'll get to that. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it. I need to finish the game. It's just been like I, I've been trying to get everything done, but I, I really I really like what I, I have done, and I do love how much they made a game out of scrubbing through footage. Yeah. One thing I want to say, too, that Nick mentioned, it is like a proper horror game. Like Some of, some of the stuff in the game is actually terrifying, Like uh, the, especially – in the earlier parts of the game, when you kind of start to see what it's doing, there were just moments where I was like, <laughs> oh my God, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, lo- I love it so much. I'm so glad that you like it, Nick. Uh, Cause yeah, it's definitely a special game. Yeah. It, it's like, it's like playing a cursed game. Like it is like, you know, the equivalent of the ring, the cassette tape from the ring. It's like, what, what do you mean? Even, like this feels wrong. This feels wrong that I'm going through this footage and that I'm witnessing these things. Um, and the last thing that I really say about this is that her story, you know, it's it's a bit easier to kind of scrub through the footage and whatnot. And you get to a point where it's, you know, it kind of tells you like, okay, did you get it? Did you get it? Okay, you can finish the game now. You can just close it off. But I particularly like how immortality ends. And I just like how it still leaves you with, you know, you have to figure things out for your own. But it kind of tells you at one point like, yeah, the the ending itself, how how I figured it out, it was another night, it was like two nights, two or three nights ago, yeah, 
when we finished it. I was like ready to go to bed. But then I figured out, oh wait, something else is going on. And then it just ended. It's so natural, it's so organic. I think that's, you know, you mentioned, even the From Software comparison, it's even just in the gameplay itself. Because just like in Elden Ring, it doesn't tell you, you have 50 quests, you have to go to this place and this other location and follow this path and there's the marker. It's like, no, 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 you, you just find it, you just get it or you don't, and it's fine, it's all right. It makes you feel less, you know, makes you feel less like you're missing something, I think. Uh, I often get distracted playing, you know, open world games and other games with pickups, items, things popping up constantly. The fact that it's so stripped down, so basic even in its presentation, it makes it much more comfortable to play, makes it a more relaxed experience despite being <laughs> particularly tense with the content and the subject matter. Uh, love it. I like too how I finished playing the game. I think I put like 18 to 20 hours in it. I just like <laughs> I just got into like a, a fever, like just playing this game for like five days straight. And I was just obsessed, like a, a deranged video editor, just like trying to figure out a mystery. And uh, I like how I still don't know all the answers, you know, like I still am not really sure what certain characters represent and who they are. And I just think that that kind of storytelling resonates with me so much as like a big David Lynch fan. And um, I just, I just think it's awesome seeing that in a video game. All right. Well, immortality. Uh, I got to finish it, but I, I really like what I've played so far and I'm glad I like, I love your guys' enthusiasm for this game. Cause I think it's uh I really appreciate games that are doing the things that I like, the sort of like puzzling in your head in new and unique ways. And so this, this is really cool. Uh, quickly, Kevin and I played the Halo Infinite co-op. Kevin, what'd you think of that? Uh, as we all know, I didn't like Halo Infinite and I've kind of railed on it in this podcast. So, uh, you know, I decided, hey, co campaign co-op is like the bread and butter of my Halo love. So I'm going to play with Aaron and go in with an open mind. So we went to, <laughs> we played some campaign co-op and we loaded in right, right at the beginning of the save. We get killed to drive the dropship. Like as we load in the checkpoint, the dropship's like already has projectiles in the air coming for <laughs> no, us to kill no. us. So I remember there was that. <laughs> and then we went to the base and we didn't know what the fuck to do. And uh, I was like, hey, this is my experience of this game. Like, you go to these bases, and the objectives are vague, and there's all these people blathering the whole time, and I have no idea what's going on, and there's just a lot of chatter and dialogue. And, uh, yeah, I ended up turning the voices off because that uh, I didn't like the brutes. The brutes talk a lot, and they have kind of annoying <laughs> voices. Wow. I don't know. The game talks too much, I guess, is my, is my point. I just didn't know what to do or what to do. So I didn't think we, I didn't think we had a very good time. We actually ended up not going. We really never did anything interesting, really, at all. We never really did anything cool. We were hoping to get to a dungeon or something, but we didn't succeed. Yeah. I think that there's some real lost potential in there because I could see why it would be a lot of fun. And I did have fun playing the single player game, I think a lot more than you did. But like, we got to a point where we just didn't know what to do. And not only did we not know what to do, but we like aggressively couldn't find a solution to, to get something basic done. Like, we, were, we weren't just lost. It was like maybe we were experiencing bugs. Twice. I don't know, yeah, but like it was, it was frustrating and confusing. I do think the moment to moment gunplay is pretty fun, but like that game just feels unfinished in, in, in a, a lot of ways, I guess. So yeah, I don't really endorse it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, 
It's so weird. The it's co-op. such a weird game. Because I, I played so much of Halo Infinite, so I can't say I dislike it because I played a lot of it when it came out. But yeah, it just has like this uh, this feeling, right, when you play it that it's just not done. Like just like as you're playing, it just doesn't feel finished, and it's not a good feeling. I have to say too, like as a Halo fan, it just feels wrong. The tone feels wrong. The writing feels wrong. Oh, the writing the, like, is Cortana, so like childish. <laughs> is so annoying it just doesn't feel like halo it just feels like it's like if machines from 2000 years from now were really advanced made a video game based on what they thought halo was <laughs> this is it it's like this isn't right it just doesn't feel right it just feels wrong it's like the, the music's not bad but it doesn't feel right like the gunplay is like smooth but it doesn't feel like halo to me it feels like almost halo i don't know the, the level design is confusing i don't like the enemy design i don't i just don't like it i think only bungie can make halo the story, the story is memorably terrible. Yeah, the story is just really bad mm, in Halo yeah. Infinite. It is. Yeah, I do like the shotgun. I don't know. I had some fun with that game, but the co-op, I think, really just did. did the, the, I see why they tried to cancel it because it wasn't. Uh, they couldn't figure it out, uh, and that's that's a bummer. Uh, all right. Well, I guess that's uh, that's enough of that. Kevin, you want to check in on the Callisto Protocol? I beat it. Oh, nice. Oh, shit. Okay. Yesterday. Nice. Yeah. So. Um, I remember reading a lot of the reviews of the game. They, they talked about how it had a lot of difficulty spikes, and they are right. There are some serious difficulty spikes, unfortunately. I think this game feels unfinished at times. The, some of the bosses, and near the end of the game, you start fighting some reused bosses, and they're, mm. the reused bosses are kind of like a little bit like Bioshock Infinite, where you have to fight the ghost boss like 17 <laughs> times. And it was like, no, the worst boss again? Are you kidding me? Don't make me fight the worst boss again. The boss can kill you in one hit. They run almost as fast as you, and basically what you have to do is you have to like farm ads. It's kind of like a little bit of the um, push forward gameplay where you farm ads for ammo to shoot at the boss. And I think that gameplay works in Doom and Doom Eternal, but it, I think for this game it does not work because the controls change when you get into a one-on-one duel with an enemy. So like something you can't run very well unless you shoot them quickly. Like you can't run or because your, your left stick movement changes because you're like in the duel mode. So. When you're fighting a boss who's like then chasing you and hits you once and you're dead, it's like very frustrating. So I, I had some highly frustrating experiences with the, all the bosses basically at the end of the game, which sucks because uh, I think if they had spent more time on them, they could have been pretty good. Uh, I think they shouldn't have reused this one boss as many times as they did because it wasn't fun and it just should have been a one-time deal. But I still think the game's environments are some of the best sci-fi horror environments. I think the combat is still very fun. I think I liked the like melee combat. A lot of people really didn't like it. And I think I get that, but I, I also feel like this comes down to like expectations. Like they thought it was gonna be a third person shooter. Mm. Right? And then what they got was like punch out slash first person third person shooter. So it's like it's a mix, you know? It's a mix of two. So um I think I also feel like it wasn't that scary and I don't want to like be like really harsh on it, but like, I just didn't think that it didn't, it's not really even that bad. Like, you know, it had some cool jump scares. Like I appreciated them. I like how they were, they were done, but maybe I just am either desensitized or no, I think dead space is definitely scarier. Dead space was scary. Yeah. <laughs> I put that recently. The 2008 dead space was still to quote Aaron, very to quote Aaron, very potent. So yeah. this game, um, I think, is worth playing if you're if you're a hardcore fan of these kind of games and you don't mind some of the melee punch out combat. Um, one thing I thought that was really cool, I was watching someone compare the two protagonists, uh, Isaac and Jacob, and I was like, wait, Isaac and Jacob, that sounds so familiar. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, 
In the Bible, Isaac has a son named Jacob. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of clever. I appreciate that. That's a cool cool. That's a cool little nod from from Mm. Schofield. Um, But, uh, yeah, I think the game fundamentally, the first half of the game I think is very good, and then the second half of the game, not as good. Interesting. Okay. I'm about three-quarters of the way through the game. I haven't got to this boss that you're talking about, but I have experienced a few difficulty spikes it took me a minute to figure out the melee combat because I think it's just different enough from what I'm used to. We're used to dodge windows and like parry, you know, parry windows and stuff like that. And like, I just, it's a little more basic than that. But once you get it, it's it's pretty fun and it feels good. Um, You're I the, best, say, the best lesson I can give, let me yeah. dodge real quick, is if you're, play, if you're used to FromSoft, you, you dodge once and you attack. This game, you dodge two to three to four times yeah. and then you attack. Yeah. People, I think, are not getting that and they're dying a lot. Mm. No, I think I think there's a lot of FromSoft uh, habits that are treating, giving people bad times in this game. Um, I will say it is the first game I've played that just truly looked next gen. Like yeah. I, I'm playing on the PS5, I'm playing it in 30 FPS ray tracing mode, and it looks insane. Every moment, I'm just like shocked at what my eyes are seeing. Um, it's really, it's really spectacular looking. I think, I, I, like I said last pod, I think it, it, it's going to be a classic, but more like a cult classic because it's definitely, definitely has some flaws. I don't think it's yeah. quite as scary or that this, like, like they, that they use the setting as effectively as like Resident Evil or Dead Space. Um, but, but it's cool and it, it, it's, you know, it, play it on PS5 if you're going to play it because I guess there's still problems on other stuff or maybe it's pretty good on Xbox now. It's better. I also just want to say, like, in compared to Dead Space, the Necromorphs, I think, are, like, one of the best creatures of video games. Uh, these guys are not quite that. <laughs> they're yeah. fine, but they're more just, like, mutated humans. The Necromorphs, like, just their silhouette is terrifying, right? And your silhouette is you can just look at it and you know exactly what that is. These guys not quite as defined and interesting, I think. Yeah. So, hmm. Callisto Protocol. It, yeah, it's a bummer because it does seem like maybe if they'd spent six more months on it or something. Yeah. It might have been a better thing, but like I guess they wanted to get out before the Dead Space remake or something. They, sh- they should have just not cared. I think. They, yeah. They sh- I think they. I think that. I think that remake screwed them over. That's my theory. Yeah, I think. I think. That's yeah. We gotta beat theory. them. We gotta release it. Yeah. That and that's just the hype, man. Like this game was like people were expecting. Like it does feel like a sequel to Dead Space, but like it doesn't feel like a peer to Dead Space in terms of quality. I think, mm-hmm. and, and I think people were expecting that, and it's that's it's a hard place to to be with those kind of expectations. Yeah, yeah. that's the problem with hype usually, uh, because I remember, yeah, but this was coming out that even in my small circle of friends who still play, it was all about the Dead Space comparisons, and I think in the long run it just hurt them, uh, because if you went in not yeah. knowing any of that, not even having played any of the Dead Space game, probably it's probably pretty fun, very challenging as well, probably. That's actually the thing that surprised me the most, <laughs> hearing everyone's thoughts on it. It's just how hard it is. No one was expecting it to be yeah. more of a melee game as well. So maybe the marketing is even to blame, because it didn't really sell the game for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, definitely. It is a hard game, too. It can be... Really, the boss fights are the what's frustrating. I think the the enemy combat, is is I thought, was balanced and like fair, but... Uh, people complained that when you get swarmed by enemies, they didn't know what to do, and I, I get it. But there's kind of this rotation of like throwing the enemies, shooting them, and then meleeing them. So if you kind of get those three things mastered, the rhythm of it, I think it works pretty well. 
Yeah, I think the combat works better once you understand it. I think maybe the one problem is the game doesn't do the best job of teaching you how to use all the tools there um, in a sort of intuitive way so that you can easily get pretty far into the game and get to these combat encounters where, where like, they they actually give you a lot of tools to to achieve, you know, you know, to fuck everything up, but, like, you just don't know how to do it. Or, you know, you may, you may not know how to do it. Uh, but, yeah, it's 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 a fun game. Um, all right. Oren, it's that time of the week again. Oh, no. Do I have to talk about God of War Ragnarok? Yeah, because you put, like, what, 90 hours into it? I mean, I don't know. You might as well... <laughs> Might as well pay off for something. I uh, so yeah, I'm I crossed the forty hour mark in God of War Ragnarok, and I'm still not done with it. It's still going. Jeez. It's just oh, no. it just uh, like will not end. I keep thinking like okay, like this is definitely like the last stretch of the game. Like a major character died. It's a point of no return. We are entering the climax of the game. Apparently, goes on for another like fifteen hours. So yeah. <laughs> wishful thinking uh my opinion on god of war ragnarok at this point is that i feel like i should like it more than i am because when you break it down it's doing a lot of good stuff like the characters are really interesting most of them at least there's one in particular i hate um the story is interesting i like i like a lot of the themes that they're playing with i love how it explores uh the lore of Norse mythology through location and through text. It has like a little bit of FromSoft stuff going on in that sense. Like it has a lot of things I like about it, but the game, in my opinion, is just such a slog and it just takes way too long to get to like where it wants to go. Like for example, you have to talk to the Norns at some point to figure out what your destiny is as Kratos. And instead of just going to the Norns, you have to go to one cave. Oh, the Norns aren't here. Crap. Go to a second cave. Ah, the Norns aren't here. Crap. Go to a third cave. Okay, the Norns are here. Now we can progress the plot. (laughs) And that's fine, but it happens every time. Wait, they really do that? Sorry, the Norns run out of the yeah, castle. Yeah, they time. do that every time for every plot beat. It's like, oh, we have to kill this character. Okay, let's go kill the character. But wait, you need a special spear to kill that character. So now uh, you have to do a mission with a new MacGuffin. Uh, and it's just the, the MacGuffins keep changing. The plot keeps changing. And the game just feels like it's just like inching forward. And the story honestly could just be a three-hour movie. But instead, it's stretched out to this 50-hour-long video game. And it just feels its length so much. And I'm so exhausted by it. And on top of that, the hand-holdiness never goes away. Atreus is always annoying. <laughs> he always sell- <laughs> spoils the solution to, your pu- to the puzzle that you're working on. He's always patronizing you about when you have to parry. And I'm just, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. It's not like it's it shouldn't be a bad game. It's just it just is making so many decisions that just feel like the wrong decision for me. Um, and I just. Uh, yeah, it's been a struggle. It's a struggle. If I had to give it a grade, like I'd probably give it a six out of ten, like a six. Yeah, that's what I'm feeling. All right. So we're, 
They're going to put that on the box. Yeah, I'm the first six <laughs> out of ten that that game will ever receive. And I don't know, it's just so uh. weird. Like, it, it feels weird being an outsider to a game this acclaimed because I feel like I should mm. like it, but I just hate the pacing. I hate how talky the characters are. Even when I'm, like, taking in a location, like, oh, I really want to just experience the aura that is Alfheim. And then, like, the moment I start doing that, that Namir is like, oh, let me tell you a story of this myth. And I'm like, no, don't tell me the story of the myth. I just want to take in the surroundings. Or then Atreus is like, huh, maybe you should check out that castle over there. There might be something in it. It's like, no shit, there's a castle. I can see it. Don't tell me that. It's like right there. Don't tell me to see, go to it. And I'm just like, I'm just tired of it. I'm just yeah. tired. Also, one other thing, my last thing about my rant. Um... As the game progresses, I really like the combat. Overall, I think the combat is good. However, the the combat is functionally broken when there's more than three formidable enemies that you're facing mm. because it's attacking you from all sides. And like a lot of the uh, late game boss fights, when you have a camera that's fixed to your perspective, you just can't turn fast enough sometimes to fight some of these enemies. So I was really like hating some of the later game boss fights because they're especially the multi-enemy ones because it's just functionally broken i just don't think it works um having a fixed camera angle mm. it's like you either have like two or that's it like you can't have more than two or else it's broken but anyway rant over six out of ten game <laughs> i have a question for you mm. i have a question Be this relates to the, the other game is the, the so the old god of war games had a bunch of different glory kill animations for mm. lack of a better word right when you, when you kill enemy execution God of War 2018 only had one per enemy. And there's also like only three enemies in the game. Right. <laughs> so you end up watching a lot of the same kill animations. Does this game have more kill animations or is it still just one? It has enemy? more kill animations. For like the grunts, it has multiple. But for like the, the bigger, okay. rarer foes that you fight, they only have one, right. unfortunately. Okay, so there's more though. At least there's more than the last game had. Yeah, it, I mean, yeah. It, it's doing some things that the last game... Uh, attempted to do but doing it way better like there's more boss fights like way more boss fights and way more boss variety and uh, the side quests overall I think have better storytelling than the main story but like it just do the enemies bleed I'm sorry what do the enemies bleed because they used to have like lava blood there was no like blood and the old God of War games were like Mortal Kombat brutal like the, and then the God of War 2018 was so sanitized and like watered down like does this have more violence or is it, it still has more violence which is good no blood uh, I yeah, there's blood. blood. There's like blood and gore, blood? and okay. uh, it, it's good. Like I, I like I like the gore a lot. It's just yeah, it's just the pacing is just killing it for me, and the hand holdiness is killing it for me. Another thing I want to say that I really hate about the game <laughs> is that you have to play as Atreus <laughs> a lot, and every time you play as Atreus, uh. I'm just like I don't want to do this. Like I, I I don't like playing as Atreus. A lot of Atreus' sections are just, like, walking and listening to characters. There's one section in particular that's so offensively yeah. bad that I almost dropped the game. And it's literally just you picking berries and stuff with another character for, like, two hours. And you're playing as Atreus. <laughs> and it's just... And there's no story. I just hated it so much. And I'm, I just hate how the game keeps wresting control away from you and making mm. you play as Atreus. Because I just... I just don't understand because here's the thing. The first game, not to belabor this point, but the first game had a really clear plot, which is spread the mother's ashes. And I understood that plot. Um, I thought it was, I thought it was well done for the most part. This plot is like Atreus 
is trying to prevent Ragnarok and he's trying he keeps sneaking off at night to try to prevent it and Kratos is just kind of like letting it happen and Kratos doesn't really have a clear motivation outside of just kind of existing with Atreus and it just doesn't feel like the plot has like a driving force it just kind of feels like things are just happening and it just it just feels the vibes are just off like uh, yeah you know I don't know Spread the Mother's Ashes. I'm like, wait, that's a rip off of Far Cry 4. That's the premise of Far Cry 4 <laughs> right, completely. Right. <laughs> but at least it was like a good through line for the most part. Like this game, it just feels like, okay, we need to get this MacGuffin now because it might prevent Ragnarok. Now we have to do this MacGuffin now. And I just don't think Kratos is much of a character this time around. Like I, he doesn't really have a lot to do. Like I don't really, like his only need is protecting Atreus, but I don't think that's enough for his character to be interesting. So, hmm. but I, again, it's not all bad. Like I like the boss fights. I like the uh, side quests. Uh, the game is at its best when you're just kind of exploring realms and just doing cool stuff. Uh, but whenever it's the main story, it's just such a slog. And I just, I'm having like an existential crisis about it. Cause I've put 40 hours into this game and I'm like, God, like if I just knew how long this game was, I don't think I would have done it. I think I just wouldn't have played it, but I'm in too deep at this point. We'll see if I finish it. I might have burnt out. I don't know. Oh, my God. <laughs> are, are you going to send Corey Barlog an invoice for the uh, for the hours you put in? I might have to. I just... Uh, I don't get it. I just... So many people love this game, and I think that's awesome that you love it. I just <laughs> wish I could see what you see, because to me, it's just grueling and slow, and people just talk too much. And I just, I don't know. Anyway, Nick, I know you're playing the first God of War. How do you feel about it? Do you, you're probably, I, do you like yeah, it? I, I literally just, I just started playing it because, you know, I, I didn't have a PS4 nor a PS5, so I wasn't able to play, but recently it was on sale and I got it for PC. And I, I played like three hours today, just kind of, you know, from the entire opening section and a bit further in. And hearing your problems with it, I can see myself kind of growing into them. I don't know if it makes sense sure. because, you know, <laughs> two hours into the game, I'm like, oh, cool. There's there's a side road, you know, there's crossroad. Like, I want to go right. And Atreus is like, no, dad, the deer is on the other way. It's like, no, but I want to go, <laughs> I want to go right. Let me explore. So you cannot do that. And, you know, it's still the beginning of the game. It is I found it to be very hard <laughs> to get into in terms of the combat. I started playing it on hard mode because I love the previous God of War games, grew up on them, uh, and I died three times in the first fight of the game. I was like, oh, how is this happening? So it's taking a bit of time to get used to it. I'm not the biggest fan of just the, the obsession with RPG mechanics yeah. in single-player action games. Like, why do yeah. we... I'm right with you there, why, buddy. <laughs> why am I playing a God of War game with levels on enemies? Just have it be a bigger enemy. It feels like the equivalent of a bullet sponge, you know? Just like hitting it five, six times, stun lock, stun lock. It's on the ground, attack, attack, and stun lock. <laughs> and like you were saying, Kevin, that's the same kill animation. So it's crazy that I'm only three hours into the game. <laughs> and I'm already <laughs> feeling these problems. But I am indeed liking the exploration. I am liking, you know, the, the vibe of the game, the atmosphere. The acting and performances, like, I'm into the narrative itself, at least for this first game. Um, but I can definitely see it getting tiring after, like, 40 hours for a main story and still not being done with it. Like, it almost feels, hearing about Ragnarok, even from people who love it, 
it feels like a trilogy of games and they were like ah this is too much work let's just cram two stories into one just to get it over with and uh, and making this super epic summer blockbuster type of game it's too long though uh, i think we need to start having serious conversations about games being too too long because i think i think for a long time a lot of video game journalists or like uh, or just gamers in general will just say oh long is great because it means more content like you have more content you're paying 70 dollars for this 100 hour game but the problem is is that like when you take a story that feels great as like a mini series or as like a three-hour movie and stretch it over 50 hours it really feels just long like like it, it just takes so long to do anything. It's like, oh, we have to we have to uh, save Freya, Freya's uh, husband. But in order to do that, we have to collect uh, intel first. We need to get this like thing that converts the night to the day, so we could get past the vines. It's like, why? Like, why are we like having these artificial <laughs> plot bot blockers all the time? And and then to your point too about the uh, Atreus saying. Why are you going right? Why like you should go left? That happens all the time in Ragnarok. Like every time I go over to a loot box that's off the beaten path, uh, like the characters have to comment on it. They're like, Kratos, what are you doing? Oh, he's getting loot again. Well, he loves loot. You know how much love Kratos loves loot. It's like, shut the fuck up, shut up. Let me collect the loot, please. Just leave me alone. <laughs> anyway, dude. Why are modern mini like video game designers so insecure about their players? It's like it's like when you go out on like a date with someone and they keep asking you every five minutes, "Are you right? You having a good time? You're right." That's you exactly like this? This how good? it is. <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to use that analogy. It's like going to a date and like the date's too insecure about comfortable silences, so they're constantly like, "Do you like the food? Do you like it? Do you like it? What's your favorite color?" Do you like black? I like black. It's like <laughs> so annoying. I can't take yeah, it, man. Dude, insecure game designers. I don't get what's up with that. I don't get why people put up with it either because it's so fucking annoying. At least it's the worst. Yeah, it's the so worst. bad. It, it's it's almost single-handedly ruined Ragnarok for me. But in addition to it, I just think the needless padding is really just killing the game for me. And it sucks because there's stuff I like in it. Like, I love... I think Odin's a great antagonist, and I love how he's, his characterization. I think Thor's and how they decide to make him like big and fat and like more of like a gang member is really inspired. Like, there's stuff in the game that I think is great. It's just like wading through the molasses to get there, and just it's just mm. like, it's just tough. It's you know what it's like. It's like um, what's the name of the island mission in Red Dead Redemption Two? What's the name of that? Oh God, dude, it's the worst. Like, why is yeah. this even? Yeah, in this it's game? like that, but every mission is that. It's like some needless tangent to prolong the story. I'm like, Gorma, just, come on, just simplify this shit. Why is it so long? I just don't. Yeah, that was the most like pointless piece. Of I that just whole hate. Game. I just hate it. And it's like, like don't pro- don't needlessly prolong your game, like just because of content and you want to sell a billion copies. I just, ugh, I don't like it. Okay, I'm done with my God of War Ragnarok rant. Six, six, <laughs> six out of ten game. Um, I wish I liked it more. Um, my brother is telling me that I'm crazy for not liking it as much as I do, but I just, I'm just not vibing with it. Hmm. 
All right. Well, I, I'm glad that you gave it a fair shake and that you found some some chewy nougat at the center of that shit. But right. uh, <laughs> yeah, it was good stuff. But yeah. All right. Uh, what do we got here? Okay, Chop Goblins. David Szymanski developed Dusk. He's working on Duskwood, which also Duskwood Gloomwood, which uh, came out in early access this year, which which is really really good. He is into releasing these bite-sized games, which are kind of almost like a game jam game, but with a little bit of a higher production value and a little more polish, at least in terms of the indie space. Uh, Chop Goblins is kind of like a lost level from Dusk. I guess a lost five levels from Dusk, but with a different vibe. It's a a retro first-person shooter. It's designed to be completed in 30 to 60 minutes. took me... a little under an hour to finish it maybe uh and and it's supposed to be highly replayable um and i don't know i had a lot of fun with it the music is really kind of crazy like the the idea is that it takes place in 1984 and you're some goofy dude who's in a museum in the night for some reason and unleashes these like gremlin like goblins and has to like go chase them down and you kind of get warped through different like times and dimensions uh going after the the chop goblins uh but uh it's it's a fun game yeah it's very very wacky it's five dollars it's on steam it's david samansky i i recommend it i can't really say much more about it than that you can't jump which is a little bit of a bummer you can't jump in a retro shooter that's the only thing it's like why can't you jump in this game it's like makes me feel claustrophobic it's like how many games would i not play if i couldn't jump world of warcraft is one of them for sure wouldn't have ever played that if you couldn't jump you know but it is i played it a bit too the uh i have to give a shout out to the vampire level with Dracula's Castle, for one thing, having the theremin, the, the theremin is very appreciated in that level, and also the Goblin Dracula was funny. It's a boss fight. I like those. It's pretty good. Pretty fun five dollar game. Yeah. But please, David, ask, add the ability to jump. That's all I ask. <laughs> Let me jump. I think they would please. break the levels. I think uh, I think he did not. That's it was just, a choice, man. Just keep the, the the bounding boxes so you can't jump on the objects. Just let me just jump so I can just for my own sake. You know, it's a compulsive. Move the camera behavior. up, but don't move the character up. You know, <laughs> like just move the camera up, just so it looks like I'm jumping, just so I have the appearance okay. of jumping. So the, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. What else? Okay. We got okay. Here? Can Empire I say survivors? something really quickly? I just really appreciate yeah. how concise you are, Aaron, with your games because you're like really tight, keeping it to a few minutes. Meanwhile, I have my 20 minute existential crisis with God of War Ragnarok. <laughs> So I just shout out to you for being concise and succinct. Uh, I mean, it, 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 I, I spent 45 minutes with the game, uh, so <laughs> there's only so much well, to say. Well, there you go. Directly proportional. <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, speaking of games that I'll probably spend a lot more than 45 minutes with, Vampire Survivors, which is uh, a, a roguelike that my brother likes. So that's something's going on wrong with the universe or something's going right with the universe. It's true. Uh, right. This is this is like a asset steal from Castlevania, right? Like for real, it is. Like, uh, but it's uh, which is in a good way. Uh, Kevin, what the hell is Vampire Survivors? Uh, I would describe it as like a playable, like they they describe it as be the bullet hell, which I think is right. But I also feel yeah. like it's a little bit like a um, tower defense game, which is like where you just fight waves and waves of enemies and kill them with like projectiles. Yeah, um, but. So I would say it's like it's like a top-down 2D shooter where you don't control the set where the bullets go, 
which initially seems like what but then actually yeah. once you see how crazy the game gets it's like oh this is why it's <laughs> this is why so you it's a 30 minute you do 30 minute runs and you get power-ups and they kind of have different attacks and it's a game that seems like on the surface very simple and straightforward but there's actually like the you just keeps digging deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper like it references the king in yellow and then things are getting really surreal it just it just looks like the game Wait, goes places that you would never like a signalis sequel <laughs> yeah it's um, like the dude, second I, game to do i was like year. what <laughs> this game goes like there's so much more to that game than you think would ever think there is it reminds hmm. me of playing mortal Kombat as a kid and talking with my friends about like dude you know what the ermac character the red ninja that you can only get like under certain things or like reptile you have to, like you know get a double flaws like there's all these weird secrets to that game that are so obscure and strange um there's a lot to it, but initially though it is just like this is a Castlevania ripoff, but with different gameplay, which it is. But <laughs> um, someone's yeah, got to make a fucking like, Castlevania game. It has a, a good sense of humor though. Mm-hmm. So I like it, it, but the enemies are like Castlevania. They're like attacks. It has holy water. It has the axe. It has the dagger. Yes. Um, all the enemies are like Castlevania. The music is very Castlevania. The, the, the main characters they have they have, a, they have a, they've got a Belmont character. They've got a they've got an alucard character they have a female alucard character they have like a, the skeleton they have like every, they have like all the stuff from castlevania so yeah nick you're playing this too right i, I i've been playing it pretty much since it came out oh okay, uh, okay. So yeah. you're the expert I have, good yeah because it, i remember it came out it was like two euros or something like that <laughs> it was like that's crazy cheap yeah, let's it's play so cheap. it's so addictive i think the, the 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 gameplay loop is perfect pretty much like it's so easy to just pick up and play for a little bit. It's great if you're just like listening to podcasts or you have something else going on in the background, because you don't have True. to focus too much on it. But it's just so fun, just so so fun. And I have to give a shout out to the developer as well. He's actually Italian. He developed the game primarily by himself, which yeah, with accent <laughs> reflips, which is not great in that sense. Um, but there's so many jokes in the names and in the just titles of like enemies and power ups. That work exclusively for Italians, I think. That's what I was going to ask you about. I heard that, and I wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> it's insane. It's so fun. Like I'm, I'm seeing some of these things. Like this is amazing. There's like, uh, f- for example, there's this fire power up that you pick up where it just starts shooting fire out of you. It kills everything in, the, in your path, and it's called Unduia. And that's like this super, super spicy sauce that's in southern Italy. <laughs> that's infamous. It's like one of those things that everyone who uses it for the first time, like, burns themselves, basically, for how hot it is. <laughs> so it's just small little references like that. Uh, it's so weird that it's such a popular game. It became so popular right from the get-go, pretty much. And it's gotten even bigger since. Um it's great. I, there's like a DLC. I just I just found out about it today. I was like, there's a new DLC out, and it's like one year. My playing it right, right now. <laughs> it's so cool. I'm I'm so happy it's become this big. You know. I agree. When I first saw it, like I said, I was like a little offended by like how Castlevania ripoff it was. But they're not. Konami's not making Castlevania games anymore. So someone's got to keep the legacy going, right? Yeah. Like you know, I, I I appreciate that. It also has Bayonetta references. There's a Bayonetta character. And Final Fantasy VII references. One of the characters I unlocked, I'm like, is that Adele from Final Fantasy VIII? And then I was like, looked at her closer, and I was like, oh, it is definitely Adele. And then her name is Lita. I'm like, wait a minute, Lita backwards. Adele. <laughs> ah, it is definitely Adele. <laughs> Pretty clever. So tongue-in-cheek. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love that you can play it with one hand. Uh, I mean, like... 
that's that's not a joke. <laughs> Going straight to the fat. I know what you mean. <laughs> no, but like like it's 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 a game that people with you know different different abilities could play. Uh, it, it's it's also a game I can play while holding a baby. Um, but like uh, it's it's when you first play it and you're like, oh, what this whip? I can only whips backwards, and you're like, what's going on here? Like my first like ten minutes of that game, I was like, this is crap. Why is everybody like this? And then like twenty minutes later, I'm sitting there just like nuking huge crowds of zombies and stuff, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. Um, it gets so crazy, and you can just like build your character to be so stupidly powerful, which is such a such a classic feature of the roguelike. But um, it, it's 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 pretty just fun every time just watching just the huge swarms of enemies come at you and just blowing them up and uh and like creating this like area of denial around yourself it's, it's really fulfilling yeah that's awesome it was great seeing it like grow up throughout the year if you skipped like i, I remember like during the summer holiday i was away from home for a couple of weeks and when i came back i was like what there's this whole new mechanic that's just in the span of two weeks was like this random matzo and there's cards now what's going on here and random things it's it's insane like the level of passion and just time spent into fine-tuning every single aspect of it um making it so that you know there's like this constant sense of progression and even if you're really good at the game and you've unlocked every single possible thing in the shop they've added this like basically like more extra difficulty level that you can keep buying and buying where the enemies are stronger and faster and there's more of them five percent per level and you can also unlock that as a power-up in the game if you want so that you can get to like a hundred percent like it's 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 so fun so so fun I got, yeah. I got to play they, it. I, 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 I haven't played it game. yet, so I got to really play it and try it. You like you have to like I say like when the when you first start it when you only have the whip guy, like it's not quite as engaging, but mm. once you switch over to the uh magic lady, uh Amelda, Amelda Belpasse. Yeah, yeah, once I switched over to her, switched with the magic wand, it was like, "Oh, okay." And then like it started to click. I once like you, the like, lightning your first guy. successful run. The yeah. Alucard guy, he's pretty good. He is good. Have you gotten all like the weapon evolutions like trying to like figure out the, what they are and like evolving the weapons is my favorite parts of the game because hmm. it's really and like trying to like think of like how the different evolutions play together there's a lot there's a game with a lot of depth there's a lot of there's a lot of time you can spend in that game that you wouldn't think so initially being it's again that all you can do is move your character around it's like power-ups yeah yeah um or and one thing i would say you were saying to me that you you have concerns about the addictive nature of this game. Uh, I do think it is an addicting game, but it's also the game that's really good for like that one 20 to 30 minute run a day and then put it down. Like it's, it's very satisfying in that, like it gives you a nice satisfying meal that you can then walk away from instead of like one more, one more, one more, one more, which you could also do that. But like, I find myself playing like once a day or maybe Mm -hmm. twice a day. I don't, not that I have the time to play for hours and hours, but I could, you know, I felt like Dead Cells was very similar to that, where it's like I'd play once a day and that was it. Yeah, I think inversely, uh, Hades was like, oh, I just got to play more. I got to play more Hades. So this sounds like you could step away from it a little bit more. Because Hades, like, puts you, gives you a hook at the end of each run. They're like, ah, a little more story, a little more of this. Like, right. like, like it bleeds, each run bleeds into each other, where these are a little more discreet. Right. I don't know, man. Once I started finding the challenges and the secrets, like it was like go to the bottom of the tower. I was like, oh my god, what's the bottom of the tower? I have to see what is it. And I spent like four hours trying okay. to get to the bottom of the tower. So, so like, I could be wrong. <laughs> it's 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 just I found it to be very easy to just like so like it's soul absorbent at this game at the same time. 
because all the secrets and there's just so much obscurity that they've put into the game and work. That's cool. So, yeah. All right. Uh, that yeah. is that all the games we have to talk about this week? It could be. All right. I think that's a good place to stop for that. Uh, Oren, what is the Game Awards? It's this really uh, vague concept where they say that they're awards, but they're really just a Jeff Keighley hype machine to get you excited for the games that come out next year. And the Game Awards are just a perfunctory nod to be like, we are the Oscars, but it's really just a giant hype machine. Was that a good enough description for you? Uh, you put a little color on top of it, but that's all right. Yeah, that works. Uh, yeah, so the Game Awards happened, was it last week? Or it was the week before, wasn't it? Uh, gosh. Yeah, it's like seven or eight days, I think. Yeah, it was like ten days ago, actually. I see now. Okay, well, I, the Game Awards happened. Whether you watched them or not is, is really a personal decision. But um, we, I think, all watched the Game Awards from beginning to end. And uh, there were some reveals, there were some uh, some winners and some losers, and some stage crashers. So, uh, <laughs> well, Kevin, Returnal, coming to PC, what do you think? You going to play it? Yeah, definitely going to play it. Um, it's got a co-op mode. Even though it's a roguelike, uh, I still will definitely play it. It looks like you a just fun just said you liked person. Vampire Survivors. That's yeah. a roguelike. It's like roguelike elements. I don't think it's a true roguelike, though. But doesn't matter um i'm gonna play this game anyway so i they announced that like in the pre-show which i was like what come on guys hype this up a little more <laughs> this, is, this is a big deal right this wasn't that like one of sony's most well-received games yeah someone would even someone even Critically, say it's it's the best game on the ps5 some would say someone somebody said that on last year's uh game of the year podcast if i recall correctly <laughs> yeah. well they apparently the art in that game was heavily influenced by my, one of my favorites uh Bikinski, who I always say his name wrong, um, but which I didn't realize reading about that, and I was like, oh, I, I read about the game a little bit, and uh, yeah, I'm excited to play. It's got a co-op mode, so Aaron, we can play some two-player Paternal. That could be really fun. The mouse and keyboard. You also say you run really fast, which I like in games when you run fast. So it does sound like it could be a Kevin game. It's not the permadeath piece, but maybe I could get past that with co-op and all the other fun stuff. So I'm definitely excited to play it. I think that was one of the best announcements, and it also gives me hope because. That was on... I've been talking about this for like three years now, but I'm going to talk about it again. They, they, they mentioned on this uh, leak that happened many years ago <coughs> with NVIDIA that Returnal was going to be on PC. And the other game that's on that leak that I really want is Demon's Souls. And uh, I'm hoping for the inevitable PC release of that goddamn game. That'll be next uh, year. It's going to happen. For sure. It'll happen. I, I think for sure happen. that'll happen next year. Uh, Nick, what was your favorite thing that happened at the Game Awards? Or what were your thoughts? Oh, thoughts in general, I think the easiest thing to forget is that it's an awards show. <laughs> I'd never yeah. seen it in full, like from beginning to end. And it's 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 just a commercial. <laughs> I know that's what they're always disguised as, but this is just shameless. It's constantly like, oh yeah, here's like five trailers and announcements and these other commercials and our partners and sponsors. Ah, uh, yeah, time for awards. And, occasionally mm -hmm. they have someone super famous on stage just to give a bit more of prestige to the show because otherwise that, that was what kind of shocked me it's kind of like you know what the oscars did last year i don't think they're doing it for the next year but just through this moment just jeff Keighley goes 
Oh yeah, no, let's give the award to this thing. Here's the nominees, and the award goes to this one. Clap, 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 everyone. Okay, there's the other award. It's like, wait, what? There's, there's like a complete disregard for everyone just involved in those categories. A bit unfortunate. Um, but speaking of reveals, there were a, a couple good ones. I, I, I really care about, you know, like Returnal on PC. Uh, Last of Us is officially coming to PC. I can finally play it after <laughs> 10 yeah, years finally. or whatever. Yay! <laughs> Experience it for the first time. Uh, but most importantly, Death Stranding 2. I'm a, I'm a big... I'm a Kojima shill. Uh, so am I. Love Death Stranding. <laughs> like, uh, again, another game. When it came to PC, it was a time of glory for me <laughs> in 2020. I jumped on it right uh, as, as soon as it came out, and I loved it. It's one of my, honestly probably one of my favorite experiences ever with a video game. And so when, when I saw Agreed. the announcement, I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, it's coming back. So I'm just excited about that uh, because it looks great. Even with no gameplay, I don't care. He could just change the entire concept of the gameplay and I wouldn't care. I trust him. Trust Kojima with my life and soul. <laughs> <laughs> I trust him too, and I'm completely with you there. Uh, I was That was my favorite part of the show too, was Death Stranding 2. As we may or may not remember, my game of the generation, last generation, was Death Stranding. Oh, so <laughs> uh, definitely exciting that uh, that this game is coming along. I'm curious if Leah Seydoux is going to be the main character of Fragile or That'd be cool. not. I think cool. that could be a cool change. Uh, as I said when we were talking about it, I was like, "Oh, is this going to be like Metal Gear Solid Two, where like you think you're playing as Snake, but you're actually playing as Raiden, fragile?" I don't know. We'll see. I, I have no idea, but uh, it's definitely exciting to me. I do think that like it will be different because like when I think, I I, I think of uh, like Metal Gear games, like they're always like they're not ever this like every Metal Gear game is different they're mm-hmm. all like their own thing they're all kind of doing their own thing like they're all have like me- mechanics that are shared or like systems that are shared but like they're like they're all very different experiences so I suspect this game is not going to be Death Stranding 1 again it's definitely going to be its own unique thing and I also I just wanted to like give a minor shout out in the trailer to like Fragile's hover pod having like Metal Gear Rex looking face like i was like nice. <laughs> very nice it, it totally i was like there's a little bit of metal gear in this i can see that um i suspect that's gonna be part of the gameplay too maybe more action pack more action focus because there's even the the idea i know everyone's already going crazy about analyzing the trailer because kojima is like that he even said it on stage it's like oh there's a lot of oh, yeah. easter eggs and nods and whatnot uh things to figure out but i it, yeah it's I honestly don't know what to expect. That's that's always the best feeling. Like, you, you see the trailer, and it's like, I don't really get what the story is. I don't really get what the gameplay is going to be like. It's a five-minute trailer. It's so long, but also you don't feel it. So I I, I don't know what to expect. I don't know what to hope for. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Pumped. I also wanted to quickly mention that they announced the Death Stranding movie. They have. Yesterday. Yeah. Who's going to so, play Norman Reedus? Who's gonna play him? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Are they gonna have Norman Reedus play Norman Reedus? So, that, uh, is this is it weird to like think like why don't they have Kojima direct it? Like why do they have to get movie director? Why can't they have him do it? Maybe he doesn't want to. Uh, I, 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 Maybe this this actually something would. that still fascinates me that he still doesn't seem to particularly speak English very well. <laughs> he always has a translator no, for so many years. That's just uh, odd. I don't know. I, there's, there's a reason behind it probably. Um, but I was reading up on like the first like announcement and some leaks and what else. Like it's from the pro- the producer of Barbarian is behind it. Ooh, it's going I, to be like kind of helming movie. it in terms of production, and they said it's going mm. to be set in the universe 
of Death Stranding, oh, but not actually about. It's not. Because I thought it was like, how can you make a movie about it? And they were like, Kojima said something like in the statement that they're going to make it a bit more intimate and personal. It wants to reshape. That was the thing. It wants to reshape the idea of a video game adaptation of a video game movie. Because everyone always thinks hmm. the grand scope instead is going to be small, intimate. So in my mind, it's going to be like, I don't know, like 10 Cloverfield Lane. But you're just one of the people hmm. waiting for the porter stuck inside, like starving on food. And then Norman Reedus knocks on your door with pizza. I don't know. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> but they could, Peter they, Englert's pizza? Yeah, they could be cool, honestly. I think there's potential there. But, yeah. I mean, they also said that there's a Metal Gear movie since forever. <laughs> that's, that's not going anywhere. I mean, the director of that movie is in Death Stranding as a character that you deliver to, the movie director. But, like, that movie's never coming out, man. But, uh, I'm not holding my hopes up for that, but it'd be cool. It'd be nice, you know. I'd take it. <laughs> Agreed. Hmm. Game Awards, though. Yeah, so... Uh, also, yeah. can we just mention Armor Core? The big one? Nah. We can. We, we can elide that. But we can, no, uh, we, can't, we can't talk, we, nah. we can't yeah, talk about that. We're not talking about <laughs> that's that. That's, that's forbidden. Um, I, I just want to say, and related to the Death Stranding thing, the one thing that the Game Awards has been... That I that I like the most about it because there was years of these Death Stranding trailers that were like ten minutes long. One of them was eighteen minutes long. Maybe I'm misremembering. Very very long trailers, and that was like my favorite part of the Game Awards. So when I was like, "Oh yeah, I hope there's a Death Stranding trailer and a Mick Gordon performance," there was a Death Stranding trailer. So there was. <laughs> so it, you know that that was kind of a nice shock. Uh, Armored Core, yeah, FromSoft is making a new game in a different series, and they keep trying to say that it's not a souls game but also kind of maybe saying that it might be a little bit of a Sekiro game maybe not i don't know well well, well the se- they're still obsessed with the apocalypse right it's, it's still, <laughs> yeah. i think there was actually a news story in ign today about that uh, how from software is obsessed with the like apocalypse i just really hope that it's what the trailer is showing which is dark souls but with mechs it just looks like a world where yeah. All the humans got wiped out by some sort of disaster, and the mechs are all that remain, and all they're programmed to do is fight each other, and they're just, like, locked in this eternal conflict of just killing each other that lasts for thousands of years, and I I hope that's what the story is. That's what it looks like, at least. So if if they are able to nail those vibes, I think I will really like the game. It would be very interesting, because I've heard rumors that it's going to be missioned ba- mission based that's what they said those are not rumors those, those are, are confirmed, confirmed. That's, yeah that's, I, that's going yeah, to be yeah. interesting because we've never we haven't seen that from a FromSoft game in so long so well yeah i'm i'm open to it you know i'm 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 interested in them trying something new yeah i, I felt like this was like what we were talking about like on one of our pods like hey they need to make a new thing they've been making a lot of these amazing third person action games that are not mech games and uh they're something new and this then this sounds like they are doing something new so i think that's cool also i think there's all these fire um quotes in that trailer feed the fire and then it was like embers let the last cinders burn let the last cinders burn just like directly a soul street quote mm. so like i definitely think that and from stuff always nods to their old work so i think that there's definitely going to be some elements this is my theory um, I knew there'd be a FromSoft announcement in this. There had to be, right? There was like, there's no way they're not going to have something in this. Um, but I think it's going to be like a mission-based game with intense combat like Sekiro, but doesn't play like Sekiro. I think it's going to have... They said that um, for Armor Core is a fundamentally like half-shooting, half-melee game. Mm-hmm. So 
I think it's going to be a lot of like lock on missileing stuff, but I'll bet it'll be really unique and interesting. Hmm. I, I'm willing to, I trust FromSoft. They know what they're doing. I think, I think it'll be a really cool, unique game that we haven't played before. Haven't seen anything like it. And they also said the story has nothing to do with the previous game, so you don't need to play Armored Core 5. Yeah. Nice. Nor will I. <laughs> so many Armored Core games. Yeah. There's a lot. And like half of them have been released in the West, maybe, and they're on PS3. The only one I've ever played was Armored Core 1. We had a yeah. PlayStation demo disc, and I used to play it at my friend OJ, 1v1. OJ, like, And we only could pick like a couple different pieces because like, it was a demo disc. So we always would like, try to like change all the parts to like beat each other, but we, there wasn't that many options. It was, it was actually, I remember it playing smoothly. I remember liking it. PS1 Armored Core. But I'm interested. I'm interested the to see where they go with this. The art style looks so insane, too. Like... The trailer was yeah. so good, wasn't it? It was really the trailer, trailer was great. I, I I love the direction they're taking it, and um, yeah, I just hope that we, I just hope that it's just uh, that FromSoft keeps surprising me because when Sekiro came out, I was like, "What a ninja game where like you parry mm-hmm. instead of dodge? That sounds like crap." And then I played it, and it was amazing. And then Elden Ring being an open world game, I was very tentative about that. Loved it, so. I just hope that they keep surprising me and, you know, Armored Core is just an extension of that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was there any other big announcements we want to cover? Well, my favorite was Board Hades 2. I was, I, oh, I, yeah, Hades 2. Hades 2 was like, I did not anticipate that. And I, I even if it's the same game, I'm still going to play it. I'm still going to love it. Um, that, that was, that and Armored Core were my two favorite personal reveals. And... Also, uh, Ken Levine has a new game, and it looks like Bioshock, and I don't think I care. <laughs> yeah, it does it's, look like Bioshock. It's a copy-paste again. It reminded me so much of the early trailers for um, for Bioshock Infinite. It's kind of like the same structure as well. It's all the cool things that you're doing, and you can, like, you know, you have a power on the left hand. It's like, oh, what a surprise. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know. I mean, fair enough, you know, he's created his own little niche of games. You know what to expect. But also, it's 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 hard to be that excited about it. I think uh, after so long. I, I, think, I yeah. think Ken Levine's turning into Peter Molyneux. He's always like, mm, he's always yeah. like, I'm gonna make this amazing game where the narratives <laughs> are like Lego blocks, and it could go so many different ways. And then he just realizes that like his vision is too unclear for his developers to meet that vision. So there's a lot of compromises, and it just becomes a normal ass. Bioshock game, and I think that's what's gonna happen. Yeah, <laughs> it sucks that he had to fire like what 150 people to make this game, right? The closing down of Irrational Games to start this new right. studio, which which he did not need to do, which was his choice. So I kind of think fuck him. I don't oh know. yeah, I, do, I I think Gen Levine is a bad person, like straight up. Mm. Like I I know too much about him. He's he's just too he just burns people out. And he's he has an ego complex, and he's he, he he's very he just exploits his workers, and I just don't I just don't know if I want to support that. But also, the game just doesn't look that good. I just don't think it's very no. promising. Yeah. So I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let me ask I, you guys. I wanted to mention mm-hmm. Dead Cells Castlevania. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I, I I really hope, and this is again, this is Kevin, but I really hope that it's just a Metroid mode and not a roguelike mode <laughs> i think it's not going to be that it's probably just going to be levels that you can go into that are castlevania themed 
But I mean, if they had made like a Castlevania game with Dead Cells combat, that would be really awesome. I'd be really into that. Yeah. So I just think it's cool that Konami's still like somewhat keeping the franchise. Like, cause I just mentioned earlier, like, oh, no one's doing Castlevania. Yeah. Well, there's wrong. someone doing a little <laughs> Castlevania, but yeah. not not too much. Uh, it's still roguelike. Yeah. But I, mm. I'm, I, I'm definitely gonna buy that and try it at least. Yeah, same. Yeah. I I love Castlevania, so it's it's a shame it's not. As like, it's weird that it's still alive in some forms, like you know, from the anime to like re-releases of the previous games and all that. So it's. I, I don't know if we're ever going to see another big title in a while in the franchise. But it's cool that Konami's, you know, kind of subcontracting these projects, basically. You know, handing out licenses here and there. It's like, yeah, make DLC for this, for that. We'll see. At least it's something. Yeah. I yep. also wanted to mention um, Remnant yeah, 2. Yeah, that looks really cool. good. That, that um, was like a top three of the show for me. I, that, Remnant 2? Yeah. Which yeah. one was that? Well, the first Remnant is uh, like Dark Souls, but you're... Sh- but Resident Evil 4, like, you shoot stuff. Yeah. Uh, kind of Lovecraftian, okay. yeah. That yeah. looks really good. Over the Souls. I really hope that's... Hmm. Uh, I'm sure it's going to live up to the hype, but that was definitely... Um, hmm. It was also another one of those games that they just kind of showed, and I was like, oh my god, it's Remnant 2! But they just kind of just snuck it in there, and uh, yeah, that looks good. Yeah. I I also just wanted to mention that uh, putting Ildris Elba into Cyberpunk, I think, is a genius idea. And I really like Idris Elba. I've only seen him in Prometheus, but I just like him. Uh, you got to watch The Wire. Stringer Bell. You got to watch The Wire. Yeah, you got to watch uh, The Wire. Yeah. It's like the but best character. He's just like a likable actor. So uh, <clears throat> I think it's cool that there, he's going to be in the Cyberpunk game. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be great. That's uh, That'll be fun. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay. So, guys, what do the Game Award nominees say about the state of video games in 2022? What do you think, Nick? Uh, it's, uh, I, I, I'm primarily, I'm not not an expert in any form, but just I primarily focus on movies and, and cinema and all that. Yeah. And whenever it gets to awards, the most tiring thing is that you have the same five or six movies kind of sharing each other out with the various nominees, blah, blah, blah. And witnessing the Game Awards, I was like, this is the same thing. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. You have these massive, massive projects that they are talking about constantly and promoting up until they release for so long that you already know like before even playing one minute of them that they're going to end up being nominated they're going to be in multiple categories um i think the, the primary shame is that the indie market manages to be so refreshing so unique so bold taking big big risks with with, with ideas that no one would ever green light and they mostly to pay off in one form or another and, and they always get sidelined. <laughs> it's a shame. Mm-hmm. I think like, you guys have been championing Signalis a lot, and I started playing that a, a few weeks ago, and it's great, and it's an absolute shame that it, that didn't pop up in any category in here. And instead you have Stray <laughs> getting like <laughs> 10 different nominations. It's like mm. Stray of all games. But again, it's, it's one of those games that, you know, it took the internet by storm be- because you can play as a cat, and therefore, yeah. it had to be nominated. So it, it, it's a bit of a sad state of things that you end up getting all the same types of games, all the linear single-player blockbuster adventures and, uh, you know, your Plague Tale Requiem, your God of Wars, uh, Horizons. Eh, 
you know, they're not bad games. You know, they they, they have their own spot in the industry, of course, and they they're very enjoyable and, and and fun to play. But it's yeah, like if you, if someone were to be like, I don't know anything about video games. Let's just see what the game awards are nominating. It would all look kind of the same, like a blur, basically. Yeah, I yeah. I kind of feel like going off piggybacking off of that. I just think that the whole cinema the the whole Sony sort of cinematic third person action adventure game that has like a really strong lead performance and deals with themes like fatherhood or like what <laughs> stuff like that that just has so much clout and just so much of a sway on the industry still that if you nominate a game like Immortality, it's like, oh, that's too niche. Or, oh, even nominating, like, a racing game. Ah, you can't do that. We're even going to put racing and strategy games in their own category because apparently they're, like, the same. Yeah, that... And indie just, games <laughs> yeah. have their own category. Yeah, it's just... And and the indie the indie game that's in the Game, of the game Award category is Stray, which is, like, not really an indie game. That's a fake indie game. Uh, yeah, it's not, yeah, an it's not an indie game. It's just, I don't know. I just don't like. Um, I'm glad Elden Ring won game the game of the year because that's just that's awesome that a game that niche would have such a huge audience and win game of the year. But I don't know. I just don't. I don't like that. It's like they're trying to be the Oscars, where oh, you need to have the big production values and you need to have this the crazy lead performance and the franchise recognition. I just don't. I don't like it. I'm not a fan. Hmm. Yeah, I have to say, just like the indie category, like having it is condescending. But then nominating and uh, and electing like a game that's published by Annapurna, who mm-hmm. did like you know 12 minutes, like with like A-list celebrities in it, like clearly they got some money behind that game, you know? Right? Not that Annapurna's bad or anything, but like clearly there's some there's some finances. I just feels like it's like where's the vampire survivors? Where's the Signalis? You know? Where's the like Pro, Proteus, Cultic, where's the like where's other the indie indies games? that were great this year? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, like where's there's like so many other games that just weren't even mentioned. Where's the Xbox games? Yeah, there's never been one Xbox game nominated ever at the Game Awards. <laughs> ever, insane. ever. It's apparently is what they say. Oh my god, uh, I find that <laughs> might be true. I think Pentiment came out too late and the, it missed the deadline but, which is um, absurd unto would... itself because it came out November 15th that should not be a disqualifier oh that's yeah. it but like hmm. but I don't know but it's so stupid because uh, Jeff Keighley it's like it needs to come out by like November 8th or else it will qualify for next yeah. year and you know it's not going to qualify for next year you know there's no way so no. it's just it, yeah. it's all it's it's very like hype machine like uh, bullshit yeah <laughs> so it feels like it's like are you in the like sony slash triple a club then you're in the club if you're not then you might get you might get mentioned <laughs> is how yeah I, I wonder if that'll continue i mean so it's worth noting FromSoft has won two game of the year awards um you know like which i which i think speaks somewhat highly of, of what's of what's happening Part of the I reason agree. that you get this homogenous list is that the group of people who put forward nominees and vote on it are somewhat homogenous. It's actually, a, I guess, it's also voted on by viewer by uh, viewers by fans or whatever. But like, you know, a lot of the usual suspects of games media and games criticism are 
voting on this and deciding what gets in there. And those people network with one another. And so like there's a lot of like incestuous voting going on. Mm. You know what I mean? What, what I don't like about that, too, with the incestuous voting is that I think a lot of game journalists like the same thing. They like the handholdy gameplay that Sony games offer. Yeah. They like because like a lot of them are like uh, like I've heard in podcasts like, oh, I don't have time for a from software game. Like right. it's too challenging, too obscure. <clears throat> I just want the game to kind of like handhold me and feed the narrative to me because I have two kids. I have a job. I don't have time for this. And I think, I think there's this predilection towards this proclivity towards these Sony giant AAA games. And I think I don't, it's, I don't like it because it's just one philosophy of what a video game can be, right? A video game can be that cinematic experience that's interactive but that's just one type of video game and i feel like that type of video game just has a stranglehold on the vid- on the industry and i just it's so it's so trite to me yeah it, it is a problem that games critics work on this sort of hype cycle where they have to get the review out either by the you know the, the review embargo or really close to the release date of the game so like if you're playing and i, I know this partly from playing games for this podcast if you're playing games professionally it, it really does change you how you engage with it and games that like drag you along and force you to like engage with them and, and do so in a really effortless low friction way are just gonna speak more to somebody who's writing these reviews playing these games on a deadline i imagine i'm guessing because because it just it just gets them there across the line they don't have to put as much um mental work in it's it's a lower cognitive load um, and I think that's that's like a systemic problem with the sort of gaming industry is that is that because the reviews have to be so timely and they have to fit into the hype cycle and reviewers have to constantly play these games in really small periods of time. Like, I I don't think it's a great thing. Yeah, I feel like it seems like Sony is like is making products for that review cycle. Like they said they've designed games for that. Like Uncharted definitely feels that way. <laughs> Whether the initial game was done that way or intentionally or not, I don't know. But it definitely feels like now. Like I, I, there's no question in my mind they released God of War when they did because they were hoping to win Game of the Year. Like because I think his Game of the Year is a big marketing tool, right? Like there's there's money in making games like this, obviously, and it's done well for them. Um, Phil Spencer recently said that Sony owns seventy percent of the console market. Jeez, seventy percent. That's a large percentage. Yeah. Yeah, I think the PS4 a lot, sold a, lot of, money a in these lot of units. Huh? The PS4 yeah. sold a ton of units. I also think the PS4 was just the better console of the two. So that's it was like like it wasn't just the prestige games, but yeah, you're totally right. I mean, the prestige games are really popular. People really seem to re- like them and respond to them. So uh, another thing to yeah. consider too is that they're releasing these games like Horizon Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok, which are these you know fifty plus hour games. So game reviewers, they're going to want to review those games because those are the biggest games. So what ends up happening is that when a game like Signalis or Pentiment comes out in the same window, a lot of people just don't play it because they're too busy playing God of War yeah. Ragnarok. I was actually listening to the that Skill Up podcast where he was talking to all these other influencers about their game of the year. Skill Up was just constantly saying, oh, yeah, I didn't play Pentiment. I didn't have time. Oh, I didn't play Signalis. I heard it was good, but I didn't have time because I was too busy playing God of War Ragnarok. It's like, 
well, there you go. You know, people are just going to give it to God of War Ragnarok because it's like, you know, that's going to generate the most it's views. It's the only game they played. And, uh, yeah, yeah. It's just, which is a shame. Yeah. There's a bad incentive structure going on, and it's, uh, I, don't, I don't really know what the solution to it is. Not that I'm tasked with fixing it, but yeah. Yeah, I'm probably just marketing. Yeah, yeah just marketing. Just, uh, I, I guess, like, it is partly just like what, what uh, you were saying even earlier, Nick. It's like this is a big advertising thing. Like, like uh, you know, Game Awards brought to you by PUBG and Grubhub. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, it's oh, like, so bad. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. I, I was laughing out loud. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, when they, so when they were saying, so yeah, PUBG this, this leads me to ask. <laughs> yeah, that's oof, oof. Uh, I, uh, okay. Here's a question then, and and I think I think I know the answer to this. But given everything we've just said, does the game of the year at the Game Awards matter? Yes, I, I think it does. I, I'd say so. I'd say it in the same way that like the Best Picture Oscar matters. Yeah, because. All of the people that don't really care that much are going to become aware of that. Like it's it's going to enter the mainstream in a way that's just beyond gaming culture, um, which is why they try to push all of these cinematic games so hard, which is a shame. But it always feels like you know, like it it, 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 it always seems like the obsession with making movies feel like films is just wrong now it, like it's reached a point where te- yeah the technology works you can make them look as good as you want but they, they just don't have to be like that i think it's amazing that there's something like pentiment that's got this so unique art style and it's unique gameplay that you would just never get in a game like a new god of war or uh, or uncharted or whatever but but that's that's what people want because that's it's not only prestigious for the gaming market but it's prestigious for the people that play it i don't know if it makes sense but I, I all all of the people that I know that are not big gamers but have a console, they gravitate towards these things because it's the equivalent of you know it's the equivalent of going to watch a Marvel movie, because it's 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 you know it's what everyone does and it's it's big and, uh, and it's expensive and there's uh, sixty hours of gameplay so over the span of one year I can finish the game <laughs> playing like twenty minutes at a time, and and by giving it this stamp of approval, Game of the Year award officially, that's that's the crazy thing like. I, I was reading up on the history of a uh, small little tangent. I was reading up on the history of the Game Awards. I was like, how long have they been going on? Because I remember like the Kojima debacle when he fell off Konami and all that. I was like, that was only the second year. This had been going on since 2014. Before that, it was a gajillion. Like I remember all the promos, like uh, Bioshock Infinite, winner of 700 plus <laughs> Game of the Year awards, and this and that. And now it's. It's almost a monopoly of this type of award. You don't really get mm-hmm. the concept of a game of the year edition anymore. Uh, where it was like, this was a game that people liked. And here you have it with all the DLC. That was basically it. It's completely mm-hmm. gone. Now you have Jeff Keighley at, 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 at the throne. Just kind of controlling everything. And um, I'm happy that at least Elden Ring won. Because it was definitely, I don't want to say objectively, but kind of the best game of the year. Like everyone loved it, everyone loved it. Uh, but yeah, I, I um I, I really like what you said, Nick, about the uh, Best Picture Oscar because to me the Game Awards, like whatever wins Game of the Year, 
um, or and the nominees in general. Just it's it's less about what the best thing is and more about what the game industry values at this point in time because that's mm. how the Oscars are. Like the Oscars are like, oh, we're gonna give Moonlight Best Picture because we're valuing the black voices in Hollywood right now. We're gonna give Parasite the Best Picture Oscar in 2019 because we're valuing international voices. Um, we're going to give the Best Picture Oscar to Forrest Gump because it's the feel-good movie that everyone loved that year. It's like, this is the narrative that the Oscars want to project to the world right now. And to me, the game awards are exactly the same. And right now, the message that I'm hearing is that um, people still love the Sony games. Like, the Sony games are where it's at, but also, like, from software, like, people... You know, that's a we want to celebrate from software, too. So it's like this weird dichotomy where these two very different types of games are being celebrated. But I still think the indie games are just not a part of that conversation in a way that I think is very disappointing. Mm -hmm. Agreed. I think, yes, it matters. <clears throat> and for all the grumbling I do about the Game Awards, I really like the Game Awards. I think it's really fun. I think there's, like, some funny, like, advertising hack to it. But also, like, I think it's just a fun experience. I think uh, they put on a good show. Like, there's always some slight awkward moments. But, like, you know, like, seeing um, uh, Yosef Fares is always like, ah, it's fun. Like, there's just, like, there's this... Th I think the Game Awards has, like, its own culture to it that they've already established. Uh, and I know I, Aaron and I have been watching since 2016. I remember watching Overwatch win and beat 20, Doom 2016, and that was really sad. <laughs> but, um, like, I, it's definitely been watching it for a while. And I think, um, like, I remember being excited leading up to the Game Awards. I remember being watching it, um, listening to Oren's hilarious commentary about God of War <laughs> and, like, how long <laughs> that one guy's speech was, like, the longest speech, like, in the history of the world. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then seeing God of War take every single category it was in and then Elden Ring winning was like yes like I was so I was so excited um and like I remember wake up the next day being like yes like <laughs> I was I was really excited so like you know I grumble a lot about it but I do think like it's become the award show for the industry and like you know all the major players are there I mean Reggie was there Phil Spencer was there Miyazaki was there that got award you know Sony people were all there so like it, it it's I think it's I think it's a big deal um I mean if you look at the viewers last year 103 million people streamed it's amazing it. that's a that's a pretty that's a lot of people it's a it's a big deal so it's basically like uh winter e3 right mm -hmm. with some yeah. though, though you could say it's becoming bigger at this point it might be bigger yeah it might be bigger yeah. now um but i i also just like on the point that both all you guys are making is that like i'm really happy that uh FromSoft has one because I think, especially with Elden Ring, I think Elden Ring like really is just a continuation of Dark Souls and Bloodborne. So like it's cool to see like one iteration of those games. When I know Sekiro won an award and that's amazing, but Sekiro I think is a different thing. So I, I don't know I feel like this is kind of like, hey, we do like these games. Like here's the one that we're gonna you know give give the award to, and it's gonna beat the game that you know I thought was gonna definitely win. So I I, I just think I'm it's so crazy it. that From Software is as popular as it is. Like if you told me that back in 20, 2009 I'd be like, "What? Demon Souls? <laughs> they, those guys are But it, it's really cool seeing something that obscure and that difficult and that personal win a game award in a sea of like Sony games, you know. Agreed. Yeah. Completely agreed. It's a surprise and it's like a nice surprise. It's so awesome. All right. Uh, Does it matter? 
do I think it matters? I mean, it, it clearly yeah. does matter. We talk about it like it matters. Uh, it's reported on like it's it matters. It's historically viewed as though it matters. So it, it's got some intersubjective clout. Um, at the same time, it's like, I, I don't know. I guess I have to give it a little bit of credit because if God of War had won, I would have been like, this is this is pretty... This is grim, but uh, but that Elden Ring won and that Sekiro won. I don't remember what won in previous years, but I feel Last like two. It takes two. Yeah, wild, those are actually both interesting picks. Witcher three. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's fun. I don't take it too seriously, but uh, it, it you know I might go next year because it's uh, it's just down the street. But um, yeah, yeah, it'd be yeah. fun. It'd be really fun to go to. Yeah, I'm sure you on, can man. feel the we'll energy from the performances and the and people come out. You know, see a lot of famous people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah didn't it last they, didn't they wheel out Tony Danza this year? T- yeah, Tony Danza. They wheeled him <laughs> out on a on a forklift. Uh, <laughs> Wait, <laughs> who was it? Tony Danza. Ted. Not Tony Ted Danza. Liar, Danza. liar! Your pants are on fire. You know him. Uh, uh, he was here. Uh, he was Al at Pacino? the show. <laughs> Al Pacino. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Al Pacino. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, uh, Al Pacino was surprised. Al Pacino was. It was so funny seeing Al Pacino because he like clearly was like was I don't know what video games are and just being senile. Yeah. He's, he's like, like I don't. He was like I don't. Me a lot of money these. to be here, so I'm gonna yeah. do it. Yeah. That's why it was funny. It was, it was like the wheeled him out. Like, it, was like it was so funny you too. Could actually, tell we couldn't read the teleprompter as well. Yeah, you could see him reading. Yeah, and uh, it was <laughs> followed. It was followed up by like the longest speech of all time. So that wasn't the best start to that show. But <laughs> oh well. Did they play him off? Yeah, I kept thinking like they should play him off. They did. They right? did. I think like after was, ten minutes, <laughs> instead of playing the music, <laughs> after what felt like <laughs> ten minutes. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, all right. Well, I think that was the game awards. What do you guys think? Uh, Man and Gage got snubbed. I, I, no, I agree. Man and Gage got snubbed yeah, for I sure. Agree. Uh, she did. Yeah, she looked like she felt snubbed. She looked like yeah. fuck well, you. Well, here, I fucking here's the it. thing. Kratos is like, he's good as Kratos. Boy. He's good as Kratos, but at the end of the day, it's just being like a, a protective dad, and it's just voice acting and just sounding really, just having a really deep voice. But <clears throat> Man and Gage, her performance is a performance. She like plays mm-hmm. three different types of characters. She uh, she she has to do like sex scenes, nudity. She has to really throw herself out there and put herself out there. And I just thought like they should be awarding that. Don't give it to fucking Kratos. Like, come on, man. Yeah, that game. It should go to whoever does the most nudity. I agree. Um, <laughs> or just okay. like the most acting, like the best acting. You know, like come on. The best acting, maybe not the most acting, but yeah. No, I, I hear you. I, I I agree. I mean, I didn't play God of War, so what the hell do I know? But um, boy. Yeah, I didn't play it either. Uh, but I heard I played the last game, so I know what he's like. Yeah, I played enough of the last game. All right, uh, you guys ready for some personal wrecks, and then we're gonna wrap it up. Sure. Sure. All right, I'll I'll go first because I got an easy one. I want to say that this was a recommendation that Kevin recommended in the last few weeks or months was go back and revisit a childhood movie and see if it holds up. Is that right? Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, you did. Okay, so I had not watched Home Alone since you were basically in diapers, which is you know a long ass time ago. Since it was That's a contemporary long. film, uh, and I watched it again, expecting it to be dumb, and it definitely was. But I, but it was fairly enjoyable. Like it was much better than I thought it would be. Not that it's like a great film, but like the Jonathan Williams score is really good. Um, 
you know, it takes place in Orange neighborhood, so that's cool. <laughs> sure. um, it's John Hughes, right? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I believe so. John Hughes, yeah. Wait, no, Chris Columbus. It, no, I think it's Christopher Chris Columbus. Columbus. The, yeah. the other 80s oh, okay. Illinois icon. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think he's from Illinois. I can't remember. <laughs> I know John Hughes is. Um, but it, it, it was fun. It was a good, you know, Christmas watch. Uh, I, I enjoyed it. So I recommend go back, watch a movie you haven't seen since you were, you know, a, a little one and see how, see how it holds up. Uh, Nick. What do you, John Hughes ready? wrote it. Oh, that's right. Uh, that's right. Okay. okay. There was a connection. Um, my recommendation, speaking actually of Chicago as well, my recommendation is Netflix's show Easy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a show that I remember. It came out. No one really talked about it, but it kept popping up in my like recommended list. And finally, this month, I decided to kind of just watch it. I was like, "Ah, oh, let's, let's watch a couple of episodes of this." You know, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of mumblecore cinema. Just these actors kind of improvising. It's very real. It's very honest. But easy just works, and it works on a level I was not expecting because it really does feel real. The fact that it's these 20, 25-minute snapshots of different people's lives and relationships and jobs and insecurities and loves. And it, it tackles so many different subjects in such a fun yet honest way. It never loses itself in easy drama, in melodrama especially. It always manages to stay grounded. And I ended up watching all three seasons, which is not that long, honestly, but I ended up watching all of them in the span of a week, basically. Um, it was great. And I know not that many people have seen it. I, I was one of the culprits of not watching it when it was coming out, not really caring. But seeing it today, it's I would say it's actually one of, probably one of the best Netflix originals I've seen. Um, so it's, it's a high recommendation. And also, it's very cold, like you know, it has this wintry vibe, so it's good for the Christmas holidays as well, I think. Awesome. I watched an episode of that, it was really good. Uh, Kevin? Uh, my recommendation is Dune, which I, rec- I mentioned earlier. Uh, it's a good movie. Um, it was really nice to see uh, both Llewellyn Moss and Anton Sugar in a movie together <laughs> again. And uh, Lewin Davis. It's the whole Coen Brothers yeah. canon in one it's movie. It's true. Mm. <laughs> it's true. All, all of them in one movie. It was cool to see uh, just the... Uh, they actually have one line they share in the movie, which I, I appreciated. I think he, I think, uh, I think he says... Uh, Josh Brolin's like, who's that? Or he's like, he like doesn't like, he like doesn't like whatever, um, <laughs> whatever he says. But uh, I, I think it's a pretty good movie. I liked a lot of the uh, like set design. The ships have this very Giger look to them, which I noticed was like clearly Alien. I just, I just think it's funny how Alien is still like the most influential like sci-fi movie. Like <laughs> I think it might be like so many things are like, oh, this is just Alien. Like there's so much Alien and so many, so much even non-horror stuff. Um, I think it's I think it's good. I think uh, I don't know if it was a good idea to make two movies. Maybe it was because it's a long story. But when I was watching it, and I was like, "There's only like 20 minutes left of this movie, and they're not far enough along mm-hmm. here." Yeah. Um, I noticed a couple callbacks to a Dave Lynch's movie, which I thought was which I appreciated. There's like their suits clearly look like the ones from the Dave Lynch movie, like very much so. And the Dave Lynch movie, as we all know, isn't unfortunately that good. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish that he had directed Return of the Jedi instead. I would love to have lived in that universe where David Lynch is Return of the Jedi. I, I, I'm going to contest that because I think he needed to fail with Dune 
and then follow it up with the best movie ever, Blue Velvet. So I, yes. I yeah. So I, I think mm-hmm. I think he needed to fail once in order to be like, nope, that's it. No more studio movies. I'm just <laughs> doing my own thing. But anyway, continue. It's true. Blue Velvet's one of the best movies ever. So I, I agree. Um, also, the uh, composer of that movie, Angelo Badalamenti, recently yeah. passed away. So rest, rest in peace. peace. Um, so yeah, Dune's a, it's a fun one. I think it's like a little, I think it's like a little forgettable, but there's definitely like a lot of like sort of mysticism, like fantasy mysticism that I could have lived without, but it's still like pretty good, right? Mm. Pretty good. Yeah. Still I mean, you have to have that if you read the book. It's, that's uh Okay. It's, 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 a, it's a good movie, a great book. Check it out. <laughs> did you, did you cover this? Uh, are, are you thinking about covering this, Nick, as an adaptation? I actually did. I think uh, last yeah. October, maybe when he came yeah. out, we talked about the David Lynch version and this first part, but yeah, <clears throat> I wasn't too big on it, to be honest, when mm-hmm. I watched it, but I'll probably revisit it when the second one comes out next year, maybe. Not yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like a it's like a light record. Like I like it was good. <laughs> it yeah. was good. I liked yeah. it, but I'm not yeah. like in love. You know what? It's better than other blockbusters. A hot take that I have is that I, I thought Dune the book was pretty good. I don't know if I would say I loved it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. And and, you, and the way I know that I like that I think feel it is pretty good is that I read philip k dick's ubik right after it and i was blown away by that one i was like whoa this is awesome so i guess like the stark Mm. contrast of reading those two back to back those are two very different pieces of work (laughs) but uh that's dune is like a fantasy story yeah it's like you have this like hero who rises to save the people and he like joins the pocahontas crew it just feels like (laughs) very like a trite story and so I feel like that really like holds it back. Yeah, it's like the it's like yeah. the first of its kind, while Ubik is still like a total mindfuck story. And uh, Philip K. Dix, yeah. 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 And also, <laughs> Ubik was way shorter. And I have like, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of books that are 600 pages long that could be 300 pages. And Dune is like the ultimate that could have been like 300 pages long. It did not need to be that long. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that's just my opinion. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, my recommendation. Uh, I'm gonna ditch my recommendation and do a life skill that uh, some people here I think are be- are way better at than I am. But if you're not enjoying a TV show, or you're not enjoying a long book, or you're not enjoying a video game, just don't finish it. Just don't do it. <laughs> you know, like. Don't be me and play God of War Ragnarok for 40 hours until you're like, you know what? I'm done. I don't want to play this anymore. Just be who you are. Be comfortable with who you are. And if you're just not vibing with something, don't worry about it. Just move on. And that is my life skill for this week. (laughs) Words of wisdom. I agree. Yeah. I did it with uh, God of War 2018. Yeah never finished it just don't even worry about it you don't have so. to finish it and like also that applies to yeah. movies too if you see a movie that you didn't like but everyone else liked don't rewatch it to try to convince yourself you're good it's good just accept that you didn't mm. vibe with it just um, yeah. there's been times i've done that and then i and then i really strongly connected with the movie i'm trying to remember what an example of that was but there was definitely something oh ai, uh, which, AI uh, which maybe this yeah. is 
controversial take. I hated that movie the first time I saw it, and I really liked it a lot more the second time I watched it. Really? Even so with the Spielberg ending? It's still a very compromised film, but I, 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 I got way more from it the second view. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I like AI. AI is like a, a really interesting fusion of two totally different filmmakers. So I, that's why I like AI. But for me, it usually doesn't happen, to be, be honest. Usually, like, my first feeling is yeah. just how I'm going to feel. However, the biggest mm. uh, example of me turning on a movie was Zodiac, David Fincher's Zodiac. Mm. The first time I saw it, I think I just watched it the wrong way because I was, like, kind of being like, okay, this story is not really going anywhere. It's just a procedural. I'm bored. And then I watched it, like, four or five years later, and I'm like, oh, it's not about finding the serial killer. It's about the obsession and hysteria surrounding this killer. And then I was like, oh, the movie's Mm. great now. I love this now. Um, But that doesn't... It doesn't really happen that often with me, unfortunately. Usually my first impression is just how i feel all right can i uh, rescind my recommendation what yeah can i rescind it you already it's actually have a new recommendation that's better that i like it better oh my god i'll make this uh, i'm rescinding dune dune's fine but whatever uh (laughs) why it's rude to suck at world of warcraft by folding ideas aaron linked me this video oh yeah and it is so good and it's like it it highlights this idea and this thought that i've had i've talked about which i never had a word for for years about playing video games the wrong way and trying to like play for other people and not play like how i want to play like like i think you should watch the video it's like it's an hour and a half but he like cites college papers. This isn't just some like some random YouTuber yeah. being like, "This game sucks because I think it's a poopy game and I don't <laughs> like it." It's like this guy likes goes in depth on research on this stuff and like really, 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 really good. So uh, that video, why it's rude to suck at World of Warcraft, uh, instrumental play, and also he talks about meta text, mm-hmm. I believe it's called, which is like text about the work, and like that's one of my favorite things to do in general. Like reading about Bloodborne was less fun as oh, playing yeah. Bloodborne. So, hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm all about the meta text. I love that he just he like bring he I, things that I've known and talked about, but like he puts words and definitions to them, which was the best part of the video for me. Yeah, so. that, that's a it's a great video. It's very uh, anthropological. It's like an anthropological examination yeah. of Warcraft and the culture surrounding it and how the culture influences the game design and the, which influences the culture, which influences the, the game design. Uh, I will say that if you have never played any World of Warcraft, you might find it to be a little yeah. uh, dense. What's the what's the term uh, about baseball or whatever? <laughs> well, a little in the weeds, uh, but it, it, yeah, it's good. A little inside baseball. Yeah. Inside baseball. Yeah. That's the, <laughs> yes, that's the cliche. Uh, all right, uh, Nick, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter and Instagram, NickyGrind97. There's links there to everything, like my Letterbox account, YouTube and Vimeo, with links to my short films and videos that they've made. And also you can listen to the Anka Gems podcast and Death by Deputation podcast. The former is about underrated films that no one wants to talk about except for us, <laughs> shining a light on them. <laughs> uh, and the other is about uh, taking certain books and comparing and contrasting them to their cinematic adaptations. Uh, nice. awesome. I'm, awesome. I'm a regular listener of the Uncut Gem, Gems podcast, and I gotta say, like, it's it's led to some really interesting conversations about David Lynch in particular, because because oh, yes. yeah, Randy Burroughs, he just didn't like Inland Empire. I was like, oh man, oh well. I thought he would like it. Yeah, <laughs> we we went we going some deep rabbit holes, and we had a conversation on Inland Empire. It was all again like three and a half hours long. 
<laughs> something very 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 intense i feel so get ready for that i feel like nick like you're like really good at standing up for the weird ass movies because i feel like Jakob <laughs> and to a way lesser expense uh, extent randy they tend to just like well really Jakob will just kind of shit over like on like really obscure movies and i like how you're there <laughs> it's just this bulwark against it and i just really appreciate you for that I'm the avant-garde fan. I like I like the weird stuff. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, rooting for the underdogs. Hell yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, well, thank you for joining us, and uh, Kevin and Oren. Also, good to see you guys. Uh, Madden, we love you. Check out Madden SoundCloud. Madden produced the track at the beginning of this podcast, and. Uh, yeah, I think we'll be back in t- two weeks with a, uh, a the me, Oren, and Nick talking about movies and TV. And uh, stay tuned for that in feed. And uh, have a good holiday. Yeah. Adios.